Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Conquering Columbus podcast. Tim's laughing because you know what? We had this conversation a couple of weeks ago, but like, what do you say to people on the internet when like you're addressing you them in a podcast? Hey, everybody. How like you that. doing? Hey. Hey. <laughs> I like, like the fonts. Yeah. That was like the audio version of uh, Finger Guns. Yeah. That literally was. <laughs> I don't I know. That. I don't know how you started, but I love the fact that you end every episode and you say, Check us out next week at least six and a half times. He's like, well, just just check us out next week. And just thank, I don't want them to forget. Thank you so much for coming. And don't forget to come back next week. Honestly, <laughs> I need to start saying, hey, hit that subscribe button. That's easier than mm-hmm. anything that I've said so far. But, you know, I don't like doing things the easy way. Sometimes when you talk, though, I feel like you like you you got lost on a dark hallway mm-hmm. and you're trying to talk your way out of the hallway. Nah, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what to I'm say picturing that. that. Dude, now you got the right. analogies. My favorite is when you tease the guest as if they didn't read the title. That's my favorite. Right. You'll right. be like, our guest today is really special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, they're like Mike, we know. It's we, in the title. We literally clicked it. <laughs> you will never guess who the well, episode is that you're listening to because the guest. All right. Well, that's fine. We're not But putting, keep it up. Please this, don't stop this doing This episode, that. not putting the guest Who's, name in the who, title. Just, who was the episode? Everybody has exited the podcast right. at this point. All right. So this week, talking with uh, Dr. Peter Moeller and- uh, Pete is the chief scientific officer over at the OSU Wexner Medical Center. So really, really intelligent individual. And uh, he's working on a lot of cool stuff. I think he was the only person in Ohio somewhat prepared for COVID. Yeah, he seemed like he was on top of it. And yeah. uh, we talked about that quite a his bit. Research, on. So his research focus is actually on um, children with heart problems. So kind of he, he actually knows Coach Ryan very well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of what his main topic research is, but their team's really flexible. So they've been doing a lot of really cool stuff with COVID-19 and, and how that affects the heart. And um, he leads up the entire like research arm of the Wexner Medical Center. So there's teams over there doing all kinds of research on a myriad of different areas. Isn't a heart murmur like a side, like an after effect? Sometimes you could tell if you, if you uh, develop an onset heart murmur. I'm probably so you have, saying the terminology you have heart murmurs, you have like an arrhythmia um, that like there's all kinds of different like weird things that your heart can do that are suggestive of bigger problems. Well, well, somebody told me the other day that they got off COVID or didn't get off. It wasn't a, it wasn't a drug. They <laughs> got rid of COVID and then Shook the and, and then the, the, a heart murmur developed or something like that. No, so, so it's cardiac. Myo- that was another thing he talked about on this was the the long term effects. They're they're very well set up to to study that because obviously people right now can say, oh, this is what's going to happen, but nobody really knows. He it was really informative. He was giving us how long it usually takes to to study something post a new thing. He, he was like, we obviously weren't expecting this, but they were set up based on what they were studying to just shift and focus on COVID. So, there's, so for as dumb as we are right now, that this is actually a super informative and very topical. Right. Yeah, really, really. <laughs> we don't informed. know what the hell we're talking but about, but he definitely did. Myopericarditis and myositis in patients with COVID-19. So it's like a, it's like, some something to do with the heart. I'm not smart enough. Well, to- you're you're googling while we're still in the introduction. Yeah, and I think we're we've done enough verbal clickbait at this point. They're going to listen to the rest of it. Let's let them listen to the yeah, pros. Exactly. All right, and uh, guys, so enjoy the episode we did, and uh, we'll be right back. This is conquering Columbus. Hey there, Conquerors. Today on the show, Jenny Brittenbauer of Jenny's Splendid Ice Creams. I'm truly never comfortable. When I'm comfortable, I'm bored. I just have to keep going. Only when you're a little bit scared are you in a place where you're about to learn something. 
We're explorers and explorers are making discoveries because they are going places where people haven't before. Urban Meyer. There's one guarantee in this world and that's hard work will be rewarded. And hard work, you have to embrace this comfort. I love how you said that, live uncomfortably. Donato's Jane Abel. We have a umbrella idea of agape capitalism, which is about doing business and doing it with love and giving back to the community. And I believe in our product, but more importantly, I believed in our people. Pelotonia CEO, Doug Olman. There's this genuine pride for things that were born and raised in Columbus. And that's awesome. At the same time, there's this beautiful Midwest humility. People don't necessarily care about who gets credit. Cameron Mitchell of Cameron Mitchell Restaurants. One of our goals is to be better today than we were yesterday and better tomorrow than we are today. And that goal stays the same 24-7-365. This is Conquering Columbus. Hey there, Conquerors. Welcome to another episode. This is Mike, one of your co-hosts. We got Tim over here to start us off. How are we doing today, man? Good, good. And Josh might be joining us a little late today. He's uh, had a meeting run over, but uh, really excited. Our guest today is Dr. Peter Moeller, and Pete is the Chief Scientific Officer for The Ohio State University Wexner Medical Center, as well as the Vice Dean for Research in The Ohio State College of Medicine. And he's also the Director of the Dorothy M. Davis Heart and Lung Research Institute. Uh, he's been with The Ohio State University since 2011, and uh, Dr. Moeller's research is focused on uncovering the mechanisms underlying abnormal heart rhythms and heart failure in children and young adults, with the goal of designing new therapies for diseases at the level of the individual as well as the population. Uh, he has more than 210 peer-reviewed publications, including manuscripts in Nature, Cell, Journal of Clinical Investigation, Circulation, Nature Medicine, PNAS and science signaling, and I am having a hard time getting my words out today. Uh, but as chief scientific officer, Dr. Moeller leads all research operations across the medical center, which includes research strategy operations, space and facilities, research finances, comp compliance, and research initiatives. <laughs> Guys, I'm really having a struggle today, oh, so forgive great. me for this one. And uh, he also directs the teams that generate and disseminate best practices for interdisciplinary research and innovation across our health science enterprise. And uh, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead. He does a lot. Yeah, it sounds like he keep pretty busy. He, he stays I, busy. Welcome I, to the podcast, Dr. Thanks. And I promise it'll be more interesting than that. So, <laughs> Well, I, I'm interested in finding out what some of those words mean. So, <laughs> But starting off, Pete, we like to talk a little bit about just background on yourself and your life today. So kind of where did you grow up? Yeah. All those types of things, you know, all that fun stuff. Absolutely. So I grew up in a small town in Colorado called Grand Junction, Colorado. Um, beautiful place to live, sort of at the you know, the interface between big mountains and desert. So um, grew up playing basketball and, um, you know, was never good enough to play at the college level, but played throughout high school. And um, and that's kind of when I got interested in science. And when I was a junior in high school playing basketball, a guy named Hank Gathers um, that some of your listeners may remember, um, incredible athlete for Loyola Marymount. You know, they that was when they were running up and down and scoring just a ton of points. He basically collapsed on the on the court, and they couldn't figure out why. And you know, the question was, keep playing, stop playing, and he ended up keeping playing. And and um, you know, it's a terrible story. He ended up dying. And you know, in my mind, even as a high school student, where you know wasn't the best student and wasn't the best athlete, just kind of stuck in my head. And throughout college, ended up going to a place called Wake Forest. Loved basketball. Um, ACC basketball at the time of Rodney Rogers and Randolph Childress. And, you know, it was a, a fun time for Duke and UNC and um, started doing research and never thought I'd be a researcher and got hooked. And, um, 
you know, many, many years later, ended up going to Chapel Hill for graduate school and Duke for my fellowship. And, um, you know, things came full circle and started getting into understanding why little kids, um, unfortunately, passed of diseases like cardiovascular disease or cystic fibrosis and have learned a ton about genetics since then. And, um, you know, did a first job at Vanderbilt University in Nashville and then was in Iowa City for a few years and uh, have loved being in Columbus for the last 10 years. So it's been a lot of fun. They did a 30 for 30 on him, didn't they? They did, yeah, yeah. That's how I found out about that. Yeah, it's. I mean, that's a wild story. And you see, what's incredible to me is the amount of unknowns there are when it comes to medicine still. Like we know a lot, but I think the amount we don't know is significantly outweighing what we do know, and it, which is incredible considering how far we've come in the past 20 years. Oh yeah, it's, it, you know, and it grows every single day. But to think about, you know, has, how medicine has changed to where today, you know, we can go in, you know, even before a child is born and figure out what they might be at risk of disease. And, and that's been what's been very rewarding. And, and at least in my career and the teams that I've been fortunate enough to work with is that we've been able to, you know, to do science, not just for the sake of science, where it's, you know, you mentioned publications and grants and things. That's great. But to be able to figure out why a child at risk may no longer be at risk and, you know, make it so parents aren't, you know, having that difficult call or have that difficult scene is makes it all worth really worthwhile. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So after first job, you said the first job was at Vanderbilt, right? First job at Vanderbilt. So after that, like when, when do you make your way back to Ohio? And well, not back to Ohio. You started in Colorado, so yeah. I guess how did you make it? How here? do yeah? How do you? Yeah, uh, you know, I I, I knew um, I grew up watching the Buckeyes, like like most people do across the country, and and you know didn't know a lot about Columbus with, with hate or well, right. With love. Wait, my question is, <laughs> I grew up in San do. Diego, <laughs> and before I became a Buckeye, I thought anybody. I every time I watched a player say the Ohio State University, <laughs> when I wasn't in Ohio, I thought, God, that's the stupidest thing. I've ever seen. And now I am a Buckeye and I'm like, come on, man. Like it's the coolest thing ever. You're just jealous. <laughs> Get out of here. Yep. Yeah. We had a, a, a couple of friends that they would just walk around and say, Oh, how I hate Ohio state. And, and, you know, didn't know a lot about, you know, the, the culture here and um, you know, you get here and it's just, it's, it's something that you can't even describe. I mean, I, we brought our son here and he was two when we moved here. He's never known what it's like to, to lose, right? And so it's, you know, he's super spoiled with, you know, winning every year. And, um, you know, I went to Wake Forest and then Chapel Hill and Duke and won a lot of basketball games, but not a whole lot of football games. So it's mm-hmm. been, Saturdays are a lot more fun now. Should have just had him be a Cincinnati or a Cleveland fan. He would have gotten the, uh, he would have gotten his benefit of losing with his, with his winning <laughs> in the Buckeyes. Yeah. There's not many people that hate losing programs, you know? Right, right. You don't really pay attention to them. Kind of like Michigan lately. Like we want Michigan to get better because that <laughs> yeah. rivalry is not, it's not, not the same. Anymore. But anyways, we're getting well off, off topic of into what, our, what so, I love is sports. Yeah. Right, well, we, we, we can talk sports anytime. But uh, Pete, so talk to us a little bit about your current project. So can you explain just a little bit more about your research in layman's terms and what's what's going on with it? Yeah, absolutely. So, so it really gets, you know, we can talk about like DNA and beakers and things like that, but it'll totally put your people to sleep. Mm-hmm. I think what we focus on is finding interesting cases. So finding cases like you might see on like the show House or the show like CSI, where things just don't make sense, right? So, you know, a child that dies 
way too young and is super healthy or, you know, a, a high school athlete that is, you know, a triple sport athlete and, and then, you know, something goes wrong. Or, you know, you might see this in a case where three or four brothers and sisters all have, you know, the same sort of disease. So we work on those diseases where there's not an answer. And what our team does, and it's a bunch of people, not outside of me, where we have people that are, you know, computer scientists and people that are engineers and people that are physicians and people that focus on therapies, we all get together and we figure out like, you know, what what is the key smoking gun on these, try to put the clues together. And, you know, that's why it's fun to come to work every day is that every day is different. Every case is a little bit different and there's no there's no right answer, but, but, but it's one of those where you don't sleep until you figure it out because there's a human or in, in a lot of cases, a bunch of humans at the other end of it. So it's, it's not just a trivial exercise. It's we've got to figure this out or some other kid might have a fatal cardiac arrhythmia or some, you know, some adult may, you know, may, may not wake up the next day. JME Hospitality, your hospitality design partner. JME Hospitality works with food service facility owners, operators, and development pros to improve the overall efficiency of customer experience and the profitability of customer operations. JME has been consulting in the hospitality operations space for over 45 years, providing solutions for schools and universities, healthcare institutions, hotels, resorts, and more. They also have extensive experience working within the design, construction, and manufacturing sectors. JME specializes in helping with a variety of different problems, including the COVID effect, redesigning the customer experience to protect their clients and the public during the pandemic. JME is passionate about serving the community you live in. They're doing this by supporting cancer research as well as youth outreach. And JME is offering a free consultation to all Conquering Columbus listeners. Just visit jmehospitality.com. That's jmehospitality.com. And mention the Conquering Columbus podcast to receive your free consultation. So I'm going to get a little bit deeper because I I was a biology major in college and I have a little bit of that, that left in me. I ended up not pursuing that after college, but... Where do you start? Is it is it DNA? Is it genetics that you start and look for anomalies there or, you know, comparing it to, say, the Human Genome Project or any of the other, comparing it to other people's DNA and saying, hey, is there something in here that's common between these cases or where do you start with that research? Yeah, good question. I, you know, I think we ask questions very similar to what a detective would ask. And we start with the families to try to figure out what could be the, you know, the underlying cause of, of why somebody has it. Is it something like lifestyle? Are they doing things that outside that they're not telling you about? So, it, you know, the key of being a good scientist is you don't, you don't really trust anything. And even if somebody tells you something, you know, you dig deeper, you know, and DNA is super helpful as a tool. Things like imaging are super helpful, but to actually just sitting down with a family and getting that interaction to where they trust you and they will trust you enough to tell you the things that allow you to start connecting the dots usually is where you can make the most sense of how, you know, if someone was sick, why did they get sick? What were, you know, where were they? Were they around different people? You know, what what causes some of these things? And, and I think that we've applied that same logic to some of the things that we're doing with COVID now at the Wexner Medical Center in Ohio State to figure out, we see the number of cases going up, but we've gotten much better at treating the patients when they come in because we 
you know, it's sort of like dating, right? We started dating these, you know, the virus in, in March and April, and now we know a whole lot more about it. And, you know, we, we know its likes, we know its dislikes, and we know how, you know, hopefully how to soon break up with it. Yeah, that's gonna be my next question. How much of that prepared you for what you're dealing with now? Was there a lot of overlap, I guess, when you were like, oh yeah, this is, I mean, not, you weren't prepared for it, but something that you could yeah, I think, deal with a little bit you know, easier. I think this last year, there's just no, there's no way that, you know, that we could have been all ready. I think though, it's dealing, it's, it's in science, being able to deal with that uncertainty where you, where you, you're comfortable in a place where not everything is going to be perfect, mm-hmm. but you want to sort of get to a place where you can make things better. And I think, you know, some of the things that we've been able to do with, with testing. So very early on in the pandemic, we started talking with, with scientists over in China. So mm-hmm. groups over in Wuhan, China that were sort of dealing with it and how are they dealing with it? And, you know, what were they doing with masking and what were they doing and, and trying to, you know, get into getting to, you know, things like, like, like vents. And so, um, we learned a lot very quickly and with say Battelle here in Columbus, we very, very quickly set up one of the first testing facilities across really the Midwest, mm-hmm. some of the most sensitive testing. And really, I think Ohio has been able to expand testing in a way I saw that for the first time we'll, with with the different types of an, antigen and, and COVID testing together, over 50,000 tests a day. So, you know, that started with a bunch of people that, you know, like you guys and me getting together on a Saturday and a Sunday and, and saying, oh, crap, you know, we're not sure how we're going to do this, but we've mm-hmm. got to figure this out really fast. Yeah. Yeah. You know, something I'm interested about because, you know, your research is in, in heart arrhythmia and things like that. There's all kinds of information out there about long-term effects of COVID-19. And, and really, I guess we're not going to know that until we get further out from COVID. Are you working any research in that area? Like we're hearing about some sort of cardiac, is it myo? Myocarditis. Myocarditis. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we have right now, I think about 120 active, what we call protocols. So, so lab tests that are working on sort of the short-term therapeutics for COVID. So things like vaccines, um, monoclonal antibodies, um, rendesivir, which you've probably heard a little bit about on the news, all the way to things to saying, all right, the people that have COVID, you know, what are the long-term effects? What is the effect on the lung? You know, you've seen some of the stuff that really helped Big Ten football come back with, you know, what happens to athletes when they might mm-hmm. have potentially myocarditis or not. And so, you know, the sort of things that we think about that a hospital does, um, you know, I think the nice thing about working at the Wexford Medical Center at Ohio State is that you have all that really great clinical care, but you have all the research on top of it that allows you to sort of do that sort of cherry on the top type of science where you not only can take care of the patients here, but you can sort of see what are the long-term effects of things like COVID or things like vaping in kids or things, mm-hmm. you know, that, that, um, that we see kind of, kind of all over the place. How long do you think, or how long, I guess, do you need? Cause we keep hearing, you know, we won't know for a while down the road, how long will it take before we actually can have a, a, a strong understanding of what COVID does long-term? Yeah. So we're, we're starting to see it now. We're starting to see sort of this, some of the short-term effects and, mm-hmm. you know, what does it do to, do the heart? What does it do to your lungs? Um, you know, what are sort of the, what we call inflammatory storms, which is a really nerdy way of saying, you know, when your body gets upset, it responds in a way that, you know, you're going to get sick a little bit longer. And so we're, we're able to deal with that um, a little bit better than we were before. Um, so we're already seeing that now. The key is going to be, you know, what, what happens to people that have a predisposition to things like cardiovascular disease or heart disease, or what happens when people have maybe been smokers, you know, early in their life. And, and again, that's why, 
that's why it's important to keep doing this research. Absolutely. And, and the weird one for me with COVID is actually the whole loss of taste and smell that comes along with it. Cause that suggests that it's affecting senses that maybe doesn't make a lot of sense. Like you think, Hey, this is something that affects your lungs and that sort of capacity. But when you look at a disease, like it's causing some odd effects, side effects that or symptoms that we wouldn't expect from a coronavirus, right? Is that, that's is right. that fair to say? I think that's very fair to say. And, you know, and the other thing that we see is that it affects each person very differently. And so, you know, there's, it suggests that there's really some different things that, that, that one, make us get infected differently, but two, our bodies responding very differently to the, to the virus. So, you know, I, again, that's why, you know, it's why it's important in our, you know, our portfolio at, at the Wexner Medical Center to have good research around infectious disease, but also great research that's focused in heart disease or lung disease or neuroscience or, you know, one of our big areas of emphasis is cancer. And, you know, you've had some great guests in the past on here mm -hmm. um, to talk about some of the great things that are happening at the James. And so I think all of these things together um, and, you know, being able to work in an environment like Columbus, which has incredible places like, you know, like Battelle, um, nationwide Children's Hospital. You know, we have lots of partners across the the city that you know we're continuing to expand. And I would say Columbus has turned into much more of a destination destination place to come do science and and do breakthrough research, whether it's in you know biomedicine or in computer sciences. So it's I think Columbus is is really going to be the place to be for a long time. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really exciting to see in Columbus. Like, it's, I think it's a source of pride for a lot of people. Like, we know that hey, we've got some great medical research going on here, and that's a big deal. And you know, we had another guest on the show who, you know, he was looking to really kind of tap into that in terms of we while we have a lot of great research going on, we don't have a lot of big name pharmaceutical companies and big name you know groups like that here either. So we need to kind of connect that and. And I think that that's something that could be an avenue for growth for our city in the future. But uh, we've kind of gotten off track again, uh, talking about COVID, but that's you know, okay. that's what happens when Josh isn't around to keep us, uh, keep us uh, on the straight and narrow. But <laughs> we're going to take a quick break here to thank one of our sponsors, the Burlett Family Foundation. The Burlett Family Foundation is committed to serving as a trusted partner and resource to organizations striving to improve our community here in Columbus. All right, let's get back to the episode. So one thing that I want to talk a little bit about is balancing research with being a chief scientific officer. So how much research do you do personally and how much is more just, you know, administrating and, and leading? Yeah, so I'm very lucky to, to continue to still run a lab. So I have a, a, a big lab that has, you know, a dozen people in it that range everything from undergraduates to graduate students to faculty. And, um, and they do a really nice job of keeping me, um, keeping me on the straight and narrow and keeping things running in the lab every day. On the you know the second part of my life is an administrator and and do a lot in terms of you know talking to the, you know the community about the importance of science, um, thinking about exciting things that are happening. So for example, if you go out on Lane in Lane in um, Kinney now, you see a big pile of dirt. That's going to be a new research building. It's a new, the start of what we call the West Campus Innovation Zone for Ohio State, and you know it's going to continue to expand our ability to to work with industry, to recruit people to Columbus, to start getting venture capital here and, and really develop, continue to develop research and, and Columbus as the sort of premier city to do science in the Midwest. So it's exciting, you know, so it's, you know, long days probably like you guys have and, um, but it's a ton of fun. Yeah, I, I can imagine. And, uh, you know, with, with all that going on, right, it, does it feel like, like, do you have colleagues here? Like, does it attract colleagues that are doing 
big things in medicine as well. Like I would imagine that there's a lot of people coming into Columbus to do some of this research, especially considering that we have a pretty representative demographic around the city. Yeah. You know, people want to come to Columbus and I think it's very similar to building, you know, a, a team in sports. You get a, you know, you get a good, a couple good recruits and then you, it makes it easier to get your next recruits. You get a couple more winning seasons. And so we've seen in the, in the medical center, an increase of our, what we call our NIH funding, which is the funding that the government gives you to do this sort of stuff. And, and that's gone up 60 or almost 60% in the last couple of years. That allows us to get, you know, recruits from some of the other great places that are doing research. And, you know, they bring their families here. The schools are incredible. You know, it's easy to live here. It's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a nice city. So it's, it's making it easier and easier, the better and better we got. Pete, some, one of the things that you know, we've talked to several people doing research in the past. And I think one of the things that always comes up is the process of getting grants and keeping that machine running. Is that something that your team's focused on pretty heavily? Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the grants are sort of the oxygen to keep the, keep the, you know, the horses running. And, and, um, you know, we have seen, um, very tight, you know, pay lines for the federal government and giving research. We've, our, our group has been very fortunate and across Ohio State, we've been very fortunate because the level of science continues to go up. And and it's one of the things that we've really been focusing on is to work on this area that we call translational science, meaning that the discoveries that we have really have impact on what's happening in the clinic on a daily basis. And so, you know, it makes it much easier to sort of not sell it, but, but really to promote that kind of science because, you know, ultimately it's the taxpayers of the United States that are, that are paying for this work and we need to be able to get, get people, people taken care of. A good example is some of the things that we're doing in what we call gene therapy. And I'm not sure if you've had that on your podcast before, but it's this idea that, that you can take a disease and basically using a virus, almost like a Trojan horse, put something that's missing in the body back. So if a gene is defective or it's absent, you can actually use a virus, infect somebody with that, and the protein will be made or the gene will be made in your body. And we've had really good luck. It recruited a incredible scientist from San Francisco to come here. And he's using this therapy right now in Columbus to treat kids that don't have a, a, an enzyme called dopamine. And so he can put this virus back into these kids' brains and kids that normally would have a lifetime survival of, of weeks or months or maybe even a couple of years, you know, these kids are now surviving with one injection of this virus now. And before they couldn't walk, they couldn't talk. Now they're, you know, celebrating birthdays and running around and, 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 and yelling at their little brother. And, you know, those are the sorts of things that, you know, you, we, we think about, you know, all the nerdy things that scientists do, but but it really puts, you know, some people behind these stories that that make it exciting to do, to do science today. Yeah, gene therapy is really interesting because the immediate benefit of solving a lot of our genetic diseases and problems, but then you start getting into the theoretical stuff. Well, you know, if we can change these genes, what else can we do, mm-hmm. right? And that's that's a foreground, which I think will be a big conversation in the next 30, 40 years as we start to get better with this. Yeah, you know, in fact, that's something that's come up in the last, you know, the last dozen years is, you know, and we've seen some people that that maybe don't want to do it the right way. And and that's gotten shut down pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Um, again, everything that we do, we want to make sure we're doing with appropriate ethical standards. And so, you know, as we continue to have the technologies, we just need to also understand that we needed to, to have good decisions of should we be using the technologies mm-hmm. um, appropriately and, and in the right sort of way. So yeah, good question. This might not make it into the podcast, but wasn't there a scientist in 
China that got in trouble for some sort of gene therapy with- There was, with, a, there was a girl, that's what I was just looking up. There's a girl who had a company, a startup and said they could do a bunch of stuff. And then I think she got like- Oh, you're talking about Theranos. You're talking yeah. about, uh, that was the little blood. Like you take a drop of your blood and she'll like look at everything you ever, like that one was interesting. Yeah, um, that's actually a good podcast. If you if you haven't heard that one, there's an incredible podcast that goes through her story. Yeah, that's, I mean, that check it out. It was, <laughs> it's wild. Elizabeth Holmes. That's Elizabeth Holmes, yeah. yeah. Um, but- I thought there was some type of story on uh, a doctor in China doing something weird. There's been some, yeah, there's been multiple stories of people that, um, that, that have done some pretty inappropriate things across science, Mm -hmm. um, as you probably know, but some in gene therapy that, that uh, have gotten shut down pretty quick, which is good. When are we going to be able to turn chickens into dinosaurs? That's what I want to know. Well, I, I saw the movies. It's, I think it's happened. Yeah, I think that's, that's already a thing. Are you sure? Because I'm pretty sure we can do that with gene therapy, right? Like that's how we're going to recreate dinosaurs. So I'm waiting for a velociraptor. Well, I think Although, the, the first thing will just be trying to make super kids, you yeah. know, make my kid this tall, right, right. make my kid have this hair color or whatever. Although now I'm getting completely off the rails here. But if you ever look at a goose, right, and you watch a goose walking around, like, it's so clear that thing used to be a velociraptor. It's not, <laughs> I, I'm sorry, but geese, man, they look dangerous when they're walking around. They are pretty aggressive, too. Yeah. So, <laughs> all right. Sorry. We're completely, completely off track now. I mean, this um, is interesting stuff, though. Hey there, Conquerors. We want to take a quick moment to talk about one of our sponsors, Studio 301. Kyle and his team have helped us redesign our website, taking the podcast in a new direction that we truly love. And we have some incredible guests here on the show. And Studio 301 has given us a website that reflects the caliber of the people that join us. And the Studio 301 team can help you with everything from brand strategy and redesigns to market research, videography, social media overhauls, and a whole lot more. You can go check them out at studio301.org. That's studio301.org. What are your goals for here for the next few years at uh, the Wexner Medical Center and, and with everything you guys have going on? And, and do you, how far do you look out with your plans? Yeah, so so we, we all are in processes where we look sort of out five to 10 years and, and probably like most groups um, want to think about growth, but growth in a way that's sustainable. And so, you know, when we recruit, it's great to have buildings. And we talked a little bit earlier about some of the, the cool things that are happening in Ohio State, but it's great that we get leaders, you know, people that really are selfless and come in with the same sort of program. Again, I keep going back to sports, but it's sort of the same plan is that, you you know, you have to have a team and have people that are going to be selfless and and play for the, sort of the, for the, for the, for the, for the bigger Jersey. And, and we're trying to do the same thing in, in the medical center that we want to be we want to be known as a national leader and want to do science that really impacts people. We also have a big goal across um, Ohio to, to really make Columbus the destination to, to come do science and, and to have companies, you know, flocking to come here because they think it's, you know, the great, greatest place for their kids. It's the greatest place to do science that they can recruit well here. And so, you know, we've been working a lot with a lot of people both locally and across the state you know, to make it so, you know, if you, you have a startup, you come here. And before in academics or at Ohio State, maybe we sat on the sideline and kind of watched this happen and we're a little bit more of a, a bystander. We want to be out there working to attract companies to come here, to work with us, to make our science better, to bring new technologies, um, you know, and to continue, to continue to grow the economy. So what are the biggest challenges you foresee for your team? Yeah, you know, I... I we want to get great people and, um, and we want to make sure that, you know, once you get those great recruits to, to keep them here and, um, you know, we've got, we've got incredible people, um, and we already started with a great group. Um, you know, 
we we are expanding almost faster than we have buildings to expand. And so, you know, we need new space, um, you know, we need new infrastructure. And so, you know, as, as you build, you know, great researchers, it's not just about sort of the, the greatest and latest in viral technology, but you also have to have IT behind it. You have to have systems development. You have to have project managers. And, and so it's, it's all these things that sort of line up in parallel to, you know, building a, building a big company. So, um, you know, it starts with people. Um, it starts with good customer service. And, you know, it ends hopefully with the good discoveries. And so when it comes to the people on your team, like what other than them being strong researchers, what are you looking for? Yeah, it's probably, you know, probably the same with, with you know, when, you, when you're building your teams, it's, you know, people that can really work together. Um, we're very um, against drama. I mean, it's, you know, that you get one, one person like that, it can really disrupt the whole team and, and make it, make it step back. We want to have people that, that really are engaged in making a difference in patients' lives. And whether that's our physicians or whether it's our researchers or even our staff, like, like they get the vision that we want to save lives, that we want to stop COVID. We want to make kids better. And, you know, once you start creating a culture that, that believes in that, um, you know, I, I, I liken back to some of the work that is being done at the James uh, every day for cancer or at the Ross for heart disease. Um, there's a bunch of people that all believe in the same thing. And, you know, you get those people together it's a pretty powerful group and, and they'll work tirelessly to, to come up with solutions. So it's, I think it's, you know, it's, it's about creating culture, getting good people and then leaving them alone and, and letting them do their own thing without micromanaging them. I think that's a huge part of any, any style company, you know, getting the, the people to buy in, but then have a sense of ownership in it. So that, like you said, that they'll work hard and put in the hours and, and kind of rather than getting there for a paycheck, they, you know, and what you guys are doing, you have to absolutely be the, that's right. The and team I, but I also, you know, I also think it gets into sort of communicating and, and I keep coming back to this, you know, building a culture in Columbus. If you look at the types of leaders across Columbus now, you know, you look at people like Alex Fisher, or you look at people like Doug Ullman, you know, mm-hmm. these are people that are thinking outside of the box and, you know, doing everything they can do to, you know, that they're not scientists themselves and they're not technologists themselves, but they, you know, they believe in, in this culture and they want to make it better. So I think I've never been in a situation before in any of the cities I've lived where I've seen that and, um, and had that such a partnership with city leaders and industry leaders and, and private partners to be able to, to grow this. So it's exciting. Yeah. And if you're listening out there and you're going, who's Alex Fisher and Doug? Well, uh, we've got Two podcasts, one with each of them. So go check them out. Sorry, I'm going to shamelessly plug our previous episodes here. <laughs> our sponsor is Waveform Music Group. Andy and Carlin have been working with us to take the production of Conquering Columbus to the next level. And Josh and I cannot be happier with the results. Outside of podcast production, Andy and Carlin are experts in songwriting, music production, and sonic branding for companies of all sizes. And to learn more about them, head to their website, createwaveforms.com. That is createwaveforms.com and tell them Conquering Columbus sent you. Pete, I think it's a good place to kind of pivot towards some of our last questions of the show here. So one of them is just, do you have any advice for our listeners out there and to help kind of guide that, that mostly people in Columbus working through their jobs, young professionals up to, uh, you know, people towards the middle end of their career, but you know, it's mostly going to be young professionals, entrepreneurs, people listening in, uh, you know, who want to know how people got to where they are. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I, I'm been fortunate that I had a lot of good mentors, probably like, like you guys, dad, um, that, that sort of gave me an opportunity 
and probably when I didn't deserve it and and put me out in front and and gave me a chance. Um, you know, I work pretty hard um, and and you know, but I love what I do and and um, so it's it's been it's been fun. I, I guess advice would be um, had the door slammed in the face quite a bit and um, kept pushing and pretty relentless. And so I think that's that's been hard. I think I. Um, being able to deal with, you know, insecurity in gray areas and not having to have yes for an answer, but maybe is often good enough to keep, keep trying. And, and, um, and I think, you know, we see it today with COVID is being able to deal with uncertainty and being optimistic enough to know that, you know, we're going to get through this. It's going to be, it's going to be longer than I think we thought, but, but we will get through and we're going to come out and, you know, being an optimist and, and staying focused, um, dealing with the realities that it stinks and there's a lot of people that are that are suffering, but focusing on how do we make it better, I think is the key. So be relentless. Don't let insecurities let you down and find good mentors. I like yeah, it. Yeah, that's all great. That's great advice. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, seriously. Find yeah. somebody who's who's doing doing what you want to do and uh, find find a way to add them add value to them. Or yeah, stick yourself, find a way to stick yourself to their hip and mm-hmm. follow them around. So Pete, last question of the show, center around the theme here on Conquering Columbus, and that is live uncomfortably. And without telling you too much why we chose that particular phrase, what do you think of when you hear it? How does it apply to your life and career? Yeah, I mean, I think I think I when I think of live uncomfortably, it's it's being able to go to bed every night knowing that you don't have all the answers, but thinking and dreaming about that night, what you're gonna do the next day and 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 you know, waking up and and being pumped to start the next day and and deal with it. And I think it it's been it's worked very well during COVID because every day is going to be different and there's no right answer at noon and you're never going to have it at 8 p.m. and you just keep fighting. So I think it's been been important. Yeah, that, it reminds me actually of a uh, a book called Learned Optimism, you know, and the difference between someone who you know really really pushes themselves like the top top level people and and just below is when they gave an example of like Olympic swimmers, right? And they got in the pool and they purposely started the clocks early and made them do a lap. And the best ones, the number of the top ones, right, that, you know, got to the end and their time was like half a second longer than it should be. They didn't make excuses. They didn't say, oh, I just I'm having an off day, yada, yada, yada. They just said, I'll just have to do better next time. Yep. Right. So when you go to sleep and you don't know all the answers or you're feeling stressed out or anything like that, just tell yourself it's OK. I'm just going to get better, a little bit better tomorrow. That's right. A little bit better tomorrow. Um, so I think really good, really good stuff there, Pete, but, right. uh, really appreciate you taking the time to join us yeah. and talk about uh, your research and, and everything you have going on. Yeah. Big fan of the podcast and appreciate what you guys are doing. This is great. Yeah. And, uh, Conquerors, thanks so much for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Dr. Peter Moeller. If you did leave us a like, share it with your friends. Yeah, and if they want to learn anything about your research, where, oh, could, where, where can they head to? Yeah, you can follow me at Peter Moeller on Twitter. Um, we've got a website that, uh, that I'll maybe give it to you guys to, to link it to. And, um, you know, I think, you know, if you're interested in science or you're interested in learning more about what we're doing, love to share it. I think, you know, there's a lot of little kids out there that don't know anything about being a scientist. They think, you know, some of these people, you know, wearing, wearing, uh, whatever rimmed glasses and and never seen the light of day but there's a lot of us out there that you might interact with on a daily basis not even know it and um you know science is a great great area to get into and medicine is a wonderful area and it's expanding so if you're interested uh give us a ring and we'll get you set up perfect thanks everybody for tuning in again we'll talk to you guys next week 